Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Oshfin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be talking about the 1986 horror film Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Written and directed by Tom McLaughlin and starring Tom Matthews, Jennifer Cook, and David Kagan. In this film, Jason comes back from the dead to once again terrorize a group of campers. As usual, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top of the episode. We'll take a quick break, you'll hear some music, and then we'll dive into the plot and hit some of the spoilers and share our review. Brian, uh, is this the first time you're seeing this film? Yes, I have never seen this one before. How about you? Yeah, I, I think this is my first time too. And uh, yeah, for, for anyone who's new to the show, we've kind of been making our way through these episodes uh, one Friday the 13th at a time. So it's taken us a while to get to number six. I, it's It's been a while, right? Yeah, it has, but we're halfway done, man. Six out of 12. Oh, the only 12? Yeah, only. And uh, <laughs> I took the liberty of deciding, determining when we would finish and we will be done in June of 2025. Whoa, <laughs> that's crazy. This is going to go on for four more years. <laughs> that's right. Damn, damn. I guess I guess we uh, that's job security for us, right? Exactly, man. That's good. Nice. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, for both of us, I mean, at least for me, like, yeah, I've, I've never really made it this far through the franchise before. It, it sounds like you maybe haven't seen the rest either, or have you? The only one I've seen that we haven't reviewed on the show is Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen that one, too, actually. Um, and that's part of the 12 that you're counting, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, what's your take so far now that we're, like, six through, right? I guess on the first five, like, a quick recap on your thoughts on the series so far. Yeah, I mean, a quick recap. If you haven't listened to any of our other Friday the 13th episodes we don't really like these movies <laughs> the highest rating any of them has received so far has been a 3.5 from Ashwin, and that was friday the 13th the final chapter the fourth installment from 1984 mm-hmm. and i've never given any of them higher than a two wow really yeah i've given them all a two except for friday the 13th part three which i gave 1.5 wow so the low part for you has been number three uh, that that's very interesting. Yeah, that was you gave that one a one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, some of these are so forgettable. Like, do you remember all of them? I do remember all of them, um, but they are forgettable. That's yeah. true, especially part three because it was just a very much a rehashing, even more so than the other sequels of the first movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like the first first three, I felt like were just like formulaic repeat structure. Uh, like yeah, no no diversion from the format. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Four I thought was cool, and then, and then five I, I completely blanked on, and it, it ties to the storyline in this one. Um, did you did you you liked five? You gave it a two, I guess. Or you uh, didn't yeah, like, it? yeah. I, like like being a relative <laughs> term, of course. Uh, two is my standard. I didn't like it rating. Five <laughs> is almost the most forgettable to me. I had to really rack my brain, even though it's the one we most recently saw. Yeah, I was like reading the plot and I, I couldn't remember a lot of uh, that. And um, I, I don't want to spoil it. Um, I mean, is it a spoiler to say that in five... I think we can spoil movies and earlier movies in the franchise when reviewing a later one. Okay, okay, I'm good. I'm done with that. So it, just to be clear, when I read the recap number five uh, and trying to remember it, Jason wasn't actually in that one then, right? Correct. That's crazy. 
Yeah, kind of like the the first one in in a way, but that's interesting. Right, yeah, good point. Yeah, we had a guest, Brian from the Blood Buddies, on that episode, and he called it the Halloween 3 of the franchise because Michael Myers is not in Halloween 3, so. Yeah. Shoot, I haven't seen Halloween 3. (laughs) Have you seen that one? Yes, I have, but we'll have to start filling out that franchise, too. Yeah, that and Friday the 13th, uh, or not, sorry, that and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I, I gotta catch up on those. Um, okay, so yeah, you're, you're, you're consistently at a two. I had a, a, a little spike at uh, part four, but then You did, but down. you've gone lower, so our average rating all around combined and for each of us is a two on the, uh, this franchise. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, this one, uh, I, I guess uh, genre-wise, I mean, obviously slasher, but did you sense uh, a change with this one on, on genres and tags? Oh... I would still call it a summer camp slasher, but it less of it takes place at a summer camp. Yeah. The last film didn't take place at a summer camp. Sure. Um, neither did part four, really. So that mm. is why the first three feel so repetitive, because they are all three at a summer camp. Summer camp right, with right. With the older counselors without any children present. Sure. Yeah, it, it was kind of cool to, for them to bring the summer camp experience back to this one. Yeah, yeah, with actual kids. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I thought this one, and we could talk about it more in the review, introduced what uh, a, a comedic element, which I think the series hasn't had the whole time. I mean, w- would you say that? That's the thing with number four. I, I thought there were like some really funny parts with some of those characters. But um, do, do you feel like this one brought a, a fresh uh, sense of comedy that the series hasn't had yet? Number four was funny. I think this one brought a new brand of comedy, a brand of self-aware comedy. Yeah, right. Would be the distinction to me. And and you don't remember that in the other films, right? I don't remember any humor, really, or at least not much <laughs> at all in most of the movies, except four was legitimately funny. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, a yeah. different type of humor. It was. You know, in these days, I'm second-guessing myself after uh, apparently Return of the Living Dead was a funny film, as I was told. (laughs) You have a strange taste in humor. (laughs) I guess, I guess. But but this one, for me, like, felt like a very, like, horror comedy. Uh, And um, I was trying to, like, rack my uh, memory to try to see if if the other ones were supposed to be funny as well. But I I don't think so, except for that that fourth one that you mentioned. I think this one was more comedic and more sincere in many ways, too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely feels a little more genuine. Um, and, you know, speaking on that line, uh, when you look at Jason, Freddie, Michael, um, I imagine, are you, are you putting Jason at the bottom of those three? Yes. Okay. And uh, I think, I, you know, I, I put Jason a little bit above uh, Freddie in my opinion, but isn't it interesting how Freddy is like kind of goofier and Jason, like in, in this film, like, I mean, he's, Jason's never really goofy, but they kind of build the characters around him to be a little goofier and like the impact that it has on the, the tone of the movie. Yeah, it does have a different impact. And there is one moment where there's a little bit of comedy from Jason. Well, oh, in this one? Yeah, he, I'll, I'll spoil it. This isn't a huge spoiler, um, but he's this is also the beginning of zombie jason he's oh yeah clearly supernatural there are no bones about it he, he's undead and he's super strong super and there's strong. a moment that i didn't really catch it happening when i watched it but then read about it afterwards where he pulls off someone's arm <laughs> and there's kind of a moment where he looks at it like oh yeah 
I just pulled off someone's arm. <laughs> like he doesn't <laughs> realize how strong he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gotten like super strong in this. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So that was him, like, kind of re- realizing how strong and like how ridiculously strong he is now. Yeah. So that uh, was a minor moment of humor from Jason. But yeah, yeah, nobody. Jason and Michael aren't humorous on their face like Freddy Krueger is telling jokes and shit. Yeah. Right. And you know, I I think that speaks a little bit to the DNA of of those three franchises, like uh, Halloween. There's really there's like no horror in that franchise, right? No comedy, correct. No comedy, yeah. And then, uh, some of the later ones might have a bit of comedy in them, but hmm. yeah. But other, otherwise, uh, I, I feel like the the Jason one maybe gets a little bit more, or Friday the Thirteenth gets a little bit more into comedy, and then um, Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I remember you were saying Freddy gets a little goofier as the the films progress. Oh yeah, real like goofy as shit. Yeah, <laughs> too goofy by a lot of people's standards. Yeah, yeah, and I, I thought he started off too goofy, so kind of <laughs> Yeah, it, it gets... I think you'll find that as they lean more into the goofiness, you become more okay with it, but I'm oh. excited to see <laughs> how you feel about the rest of the franchise. Good deal, good deal. We'll check that out. Um, but they, they were pumping these movies out. Like, if you look at the timeline, uh, I think the first one came out, like, 1980, and this is part six coming out in 1986. So it was, it was like, one a year, basically, which is a crazy pace. Yeah, it is crazy, and I think that speaks a little bit to the quality of some of these movies, but they're also easy to make. Yeah, I guess. You get a bunch of unknown actors together in the woods and and shoot a movie. I'd say the hardest part is probably the special effects. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Which, uh, Tom Savini was, what, in like the first and the fourth one? Is that right? Yes, he worked on the first and the fourth, and that's it as far as I know. Okay. It's crazy how much those two stand out on their effects versus some of the other ones where, yeah, the effects don't really uh, hold a light to those. Yeah, that's true. And they went a little heavier on the gore in those. I think two and three, from what I remember, tended to cut away more and not show as vivid gore as the other films, one and four. And then five got super uh, nudity heavy. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other claim to fame uh, of this one. It's the only one in the whole franchise that doesn't have uh, nudity. Yeah, that Fun dawned on me when the credits were rolling. I was like, oh, my gosh, there wasn't a single boo. <laughs> I know, I know. Was it a dawn of disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, actually, you know, uh, respect. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I, they they I, really, I think the director made some bold-ish choices not bold for a typical movie but bold for a friday the 13th movie that i respect i know and i'm surprised because it sounds like uh it almost sounds like here's a guy who uh, maybe didn't want to make like a straight up horror movie and then he got pressured by the uh studios and stuff to like add in more kills and try to add in unity or, or gore and stuff uh which i i, I just think that's so interesting because usually it's the opposite isn't it yeah i mean on at least with this franchise and yeah, oftentimes in horror, there has been a lot of back and forth with the MPAA over cutting some of the violence out, maybe some of the nudity out. There was a scene in Friday the 13th Part 2 with an underage nude young woman that they had to remove from the movie when they found that out. But yeah, this is the first one where it worked the opposite way. The producers were giving pushback to the director. you got to put more violence in there. you got to ask that girl to take her shirt off. Um, and he, he obliged on the violence part. Um, he added, added a scene or two of additional violence, but, um, 
I, I respect what he was going for and not to spoil some of my review too early, although I don't know why I always feel like I have to, my review is some great big thing everyone's waiting for. But I think the movie would have been better without that scene in it. Oh, without, uh, which scene? That The graveyard um, maintenance guy and the random couple. Oh, oh yeah, they were added in just for the body counts? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear you. But they had he, plenty of body count by its, without that too. <laughs> it's just I know. stupid. <laughs> I know, you're already at like 15 dead bodies and uh, now you have the studio saying, oh, we got to get to 18. Uh, yeah, that's it's <laughs> arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty dumb. Um, but I also think audiences probably started to ex- expect uh, a certain level of um, things from this franchise at this point. And so not seeing nudity and maybe not seeing uh, a number greater than 15, but less than 20 kills uh, might have thrown them for a loop at this point. Right. And this was the lowest earning film so far in the franchise. Yeah. I was surprised. Uh, 19.4 million, first movie to make less than 20 million. Right, so. right. But it still had a budget of $3 million, so it's still a great return. It's just yeah. the hopes are high from the producers for this franchise. But after this, yeah. they all kind of started going downhill in terms of box office returns. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the, the blame for the low box office on this probably has to do with the movie before this one, which I think universally people kind of slam as like one of the lowest points in the franchise, right? Yeah, I think that universally, yes, it, it's not a favorite even among the hardcore fans. And if you're a casual moviegoer and you go to that movie for Jason and you don't get Jason, yeah, you're not going to be as excited to see part six. So I agree with you yeah. that part of the blame for the low box office falls upon part five. Right, right. Um, the So yeah, this, this director, uh, surprisingly, he hasn't done uh, too many films. It sounds like he did a one um, called oh, One Dark Night. Have you heard of that or seen it? I had never heard of it, but I, I saw it on his filmography, and that stars Meg Tilly. Do you remember her from Psycho 2? She was oh, yeah. the star of that. And Adam West, who played Batman in the TV series. Right, right. Cool. And E.G. Daly, who was the voice of Tommy Pickles from Rugrats. <laughs> nice that's cool um and then uh yeah he came into this movie i think he was inspired by the universal monsters movie which you could the, the whole way they bring jason back is very like frankenstein inspired right um so nothing too original there uh, i i saw your boy tom in this one is from your favorite film return of the living dead yeah tom matthews stars as uh tommy jarvis I, I didn't recognize him did did you recognize him off the bat i did yes Oh, okay. I thought I thought uh, his his voice and appearance looked very different, but I don't know. Everyone looks the same to me sometimes. <laughs> yes, that is a problem that you have. I agree <laughs> yeah. with you, though. He he did look a little different. It wasn't quite as easy to recognize him as you might expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we move off the director too far, though, he was nominated for an Emmy. Oh, with, uh, for what outstanding was writing for a variety music or comedy program for his contributions to Van Dyke and Company, a special starring Dick Van Dyke. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, was that that was probably sometime after this film? Um, that's a good question. I have no idea what period of time that was for. I would guess probably after. Okay. Yeah. 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 Really cool. And and he's. I think this film like is kind of influential in terms of. I, I saw a lot of. Uh, it inspired Scream, and he was at one point considered to direct Scream. Um, so I, I don't know, it kind of maybe gave birth to some of the ideas that have been later carried out around being self-aware uh, and, and that type of uh, 
tone in it in a horror film uh, did, did you yeah. read about that yeah supposedly kevin williamson like came up to him and said hey i'm i'm a big fan and friday the 13th part six was part of what inspired me to write scream yeah that's that's pretty cool yeah it's really cool yep uh, the one last thing I, I wanted to mention was uh, the idea of there was a version of the script that introduced Jason's father, which the first time this is the first time I've heard like of that character, or that person being anywhere a part of this universe. Um, are is that a character you've come across before? No, I'd never even given Jason having a father much thought. Weirdly, <laughs> I know, but yeah, right? there was um, the original script called for a scene with his dad, and it, it was ultimately not included in the film yeah and it, i don't know do you know if uh that guy i mean it's it sounds like his name's elias but does he make an appearance in any other film i don't think so i don't think they ever turn that into something but okay. i've been trying not to read too much up on the future of the franchise because i, I want to be surprised yeah yeah same same i that, that really took me by surprise that there could potentially be this character that has a script uh that's jason's dad because it's it's so funny you never think about it, like oh yeah he did have a dad I wonder. Right, is, right. It's a uh, an interesting idea to to play upon. It is. It is. Yeah, a whole nother storyline. I'm sure. Right, a new path to go. Yep. Um, do you have any other background? Um, not too much. The Rotten Tomatoes score was 48 from critics, 52 from users. The music is almost as always by Harry Manfredini. He scored all of them. But part eight, the new blood, Freddy versus Jason, and the two thousand nine remake. Cool. There, yeah. there were I, I I saw on the soundtrack like you had a number of songs by uh, said Allison Chains. Uh, Alice Cooper, you mean? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> is Alice Cooper and Allison Chains? No, no. Oh, okay. There is no relation. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I'm one hundred percent confident on that one. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah oh yeah Allison Chains is like a 90s uh, alternative band right right yep yeah yeah my bad sometimes also. considered grunge sure right right yeah uh, he um, one of the songs is for the movie I think it was oh. called He's Back oh yeah and the right. music that... video features clips of the movie and the music video that's cool that like is what kicks in at the at the end scene end credits yeah yeah as the credits roll, that's what's playing. And then the special effects, special makeup effects were done by Chris Swift and Brian Wade. I know we've at least mentioned Brian Wade's name on the show before. Um, Chris Swift has worked on some capacity, in some capacity, on a lot of movies from April Fool's Day to Jurassic Park to Avatar. And Brian Wade has worked on Stranger Things, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, The Wretched, Vice, for which his team, uh, the team that he was working on, won an Academy Award for Best Makeup. Uh, I think his role was helping with Christian Bale's prosthetics to make his face look like Cheney's. Cool. He worked on Psycho 2. He worked on a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Yeah. He's a, nice. a prolific special effects artist. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. Uh, do you have a how connection for us? I do, but actually, a couple more housekeeping items. After we record this, folks, we are finally giving our Patreon subscribers some more content. Sorry for the delay there. We're recording a spoiler-free mini-episode on Slack's uh, Shutter Original that will go on Patreon probably sometime shortly after this episode, or it may already be there. Um, so if you want to support the show for a buck a month, 
uh, for however many months you wish. You can go out there on patreon.com slash horror movie club and subscribe and you'll gain access to the eight or so bonus episodes that are out there. Or you can go to horrormovieclub.com and click the big orange Patreon button. Uh, that will take you to our Patreon page as well. And Patreon members, you probably already know this, but if any of you are technologically slow like I am, I thought I'd tell you. You can grab the RSS feed link for our Patreon and paste it into your favorite podcast player. So you don't have to go to Patreon to listen to the episodes like I have mine pasted into Apple Podcasts. And then I just listen to Patreon episodes on Apple Podcasts. I assume you can do that with most podcast players, but I thought I'd put it out there uh, for the late 30s and upward crowd like myself. (laughs) Belated shout out also to Ian, who also requested our last episode inside. We only gave credit to Coop, but Ian requested that long ago as well, and I forgot. Nice. And the Ohio Connection. As always, from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. Head there, get some pierogi, a beer on their excellent patio. Alex says, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, is a 1986 American slasher film written and directed by Tom McLaughlin. It is the sixth installment in the Friday the 13th franchise. This time, Jason is resurrected so that his body can be destroyed permanently. But wouldn't you know, things go awry, allowing for Jason to go on another killing spree. The film stars Tom Matthews, Jennifer Cook, and actress Renee Jones as the character Sissy. Jones has had a long-standing career in daytime TV on the NBC soap opera Days of Our Lives as Lexi Carver, a recurring role she began playing in 1993. Before Jason Lives, she had guest roles in popular 1980s TV shows TJ Hooker, Different Strokes, The Jeffersons, and WKRP in Cincinnati, the latter being a sitcom that features the misadventures of the staff of a struggling fictional radio station located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Nice, nice. Well done, Alex. Yeah, really good connection there. That's awesome. Yeah. Which which character was that? Which actress? Uh, Sissy. She's the one oh. who meets her demise uh, with a severe head injury. <laughs> yeah, that was a severe head injury. <laughs> yeah, Renee Jones is her name, but she plays the character Sissy. Okay, all right. Nice. Cool, yeah. Thanks, Alex. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, well, uh, anything else, or do you want to jump to the plot review and spoilers and, and review the film? Let's start spoiling some stuff. Okay, cool. Um, hey, before we do that, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I think I see something moving outside in the yard, and I just want to go check on it. Okay, always best to go check on those things. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll be right back. Hey, Brian, sorry, I'm back. What was it? Oh, you know, uh, it's really weird. I, I threw out some rotting meat last night, uh, but there was this big thunderstorm, and I, I think lightning might have struck it, and so now uh, it's hanging out in the yard and trying to kill the neighbors. Uh, you ever you ever have that with, like, your meat leftovers? Oh, yeah, you don't want to shock meat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Turns can, can, can cause a lot of murder and mayhem. <laughs> Never That's try the... to plug in any meat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once tried to shove a hot dog into an outlet and things did not go well. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> you know, you think the only danger with the meat is undercooking it, but they don't talk about that other danger there. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this movie opens uh, with Tommy, who uh, was introduced to us in the fourth film. Uh, he had killed Jason in that film. And then he was also in part five, but um, at, at this mental institute. So part six picks up with Tommy. He's been released from uh, the, the institute and he's driving with his friend. And they're going to go see Jason's grave because he needs to make sure that Jason's actually dead uh, just for closure, I guess. Um, they find his grave and sure enough, Jason's body's in there and we see Jason, his face is all covered with maggots, uh, pretty gross looking stuff. In a final fit of rage, Tommy stabs the body with a metal stake. Lightning strikes the stake and it brings Jason back to life, very much like Frankenstein in a way. And uh, Jason now alive uh, wakes up and, and murders Tommy's friend and Tommy flees from the scene. Uh, what did you think of this whole opening scene? I actually liked it fairly well. Um, the premise of lightning bringing Jason back is kind of ridiculous, but if you let that go and think, okay, Jason's supernatural now and realize that it's an homage to Frankenstein, then it becomes more digestible. Yeah. Um, and the beginning in the graveyard is, it seemed to be an homage to gothic horror, um, and the director went on to say so. Um and to clarify, he wasn't going just to make sure Jason was dead. He wanted to, like, burn the body to to make sure Jason was dead and to stop the nightmares he was having. Yeah, right, right. And we didn't say it in the background, but this is, like, the third, like, this little three-movie suite here, four, five, and six, is the Tommy Jarvis arc. It's really the only recurring character in the franchise aside from Alice from the first one who's immediately killed off in the second one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I I think that's a really funny part of this franchise. Like, for three movies, you had this one character driving the, the narrative. It's kind of funny. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because you could really just remove five from yeah. the story arc, and it would still make sense. It'd probably be a little it, better, actually. It'd probably be better, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree, man. This opening was, was so much fun. Uh, and I thought, yeah, it gave tribute and nods like so many great things. And, uh, like when the lightning like starts striking and like, you're like, oh no, that's like, what's going to bring him back. Uh, it's, I, I don't feel like they're trying to like make it this original thing and they are kind of, uh, you know, taking it, uh, I, I feel like the, tri the, the self-awareness of it is kind of like felt right away that they're kind of hitting the stuff on the nose. And then to, to me, the, the climax of this opening was, uh, where, the, the the title kicks in and it's like a James Bond movie with him like with Jason like with the knife in like a eye or something. Yeah, Dude. he like steps into the bullseye instead of shooting, turning to the camera and shooting. He turns to the camera and swings his machete. Yeah, yeah. pretty ridiculous. But you know Wasn't what's it? funny, dude, and weird is that in our lat, I re-listened to our episode on part five, mm -hmm. and you said that the intro music in that in part five reminded you of the James Bond theme song. Yeah. Yeah, the music, uh, I, I was remembering that too, and I, I thought they were going with the same vibe here, like this kind of like horn uh, spy type of theme uh, music in the background. And then and then in this one, they, they take that a step further and, and actually have like the James Bond uh, look to it. So yeah, that, that is really weird, isn't it? Yeah, you, you called it, you predicted it. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you think he's making fun of that element of part five by, uh, by uh, ha having this as the opening? Maybe, maybe he kind of thought the same thing. And we've talked about how before, like Harry Manfredini's scores are good, but they're so bombastic for this oh. like 
tiny 80s gritty low budget summer camp slasher like <laughs> sometimes it almost doesn't fit yeah yeah um, no for sure but i thought it fit a little bit more in this movie another thing i appreciated about this opening was that tommy's buddy he's like freaking out through this whole thing and he says my heart can't take much more of this mm-hmm. right before jason rips his heart out oh yeah right so right. there's a couple of items lines like that in the film that are clever bits of foreshadowing which right away i'm like okay this movie is batting a little bit of a higher percentage already right off yeah the yeah yeah i agree strong start and uh i also i i thought the gore of uh like the the effects on jason's face and then uh yeah the heart uh i i thought those were pretty well done did, did you like those i did i will never um not appreciate a dead body crawling with maggots like yeah <laughs> blanket repulsive as long as you don't totally screw up the effects it, it gets a good good uh shiver from me yeah yeah that's some gross stuff to see uh so immediately after this tommy runs off to the town sheriff uh and he thinks that tommy is out of his mind and locks him up the next morning the sheriff's daughter megan shows up with her three fen- friends uh there's they, they're like this group of camp counselors that are on their way to camp um and uh megan just kind of falls in love with uh tommy at first sight uh i i loved uh the, this camera shot of like her and her face like it kind of like zooms in on her and like this like kind of uh love struck expression while like tommy's talking about like how they're all gonna die <laughs> what, what do you think of like how forced this like love story was tell me more yeah I know. uh i actually really liked it and i didn't think it was forced what come on there's like play up megan and her dad's relationship the sheriff of like he's always just telling her what to do like he's the authority in town and she's always trying to rebel yeah and here's this cute guy that he's locked up and she's like kind of flirty with him but then she's also like well he really is cute yeah 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 yeah. i buy it i also think he's a handsome dude and i i'm on record as thinking he's a great actor so (laughs) i'm I'm right with megan yeah actually i thought his acting in, in here was pretty good um, oh, okay. So you would have had the same facial expression as Megan. Yeah, yeah, that that would have been me. <laughs> All right, but yeah, you're right. It, it does align with the, who we know her character to you know in later scenes because she does have that rebel side. So that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, behind all of this, uh, we're starting to see some murders go down. Uh, So the night before, two camp counselors uh, get murdered on their way to the camp. Uh, There's also this is this kills me, man. There's this group, uh, the the group of insurance salesmen who are out on like this corporate retreat, playing a paintball. They all get murdered by Jason. Uh, (laughs) Wasn't that incredible? Yeah, that was pretty funny. It was very outrageously comedic. Yeah, it and it was it? there for no other purpose than body count and comedy. Yeah, yeah, and I thought it succeeded at that. It did like a really good job of like this whole different demographic that like isn't usually in this film or in this franchise, and then uh, yeah, just having them suddenly fall to Jason, which was so good. Yeah, I agree. It was pretty amusing. Yep. And fun fact that we didn't mention in the background: only in this paintball scene do you see a different actor playing Freddy. Um, oh yeah yeah the, it was originally um oh shoot i didn't write down his name ken something was the original actor that they got to play freddy but they didn't like how he like physically looked as jason and then they replaced him with cj graham got it yeah and then but uh in this in this scene they kept uh the old footage right 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dan and I actually Bradley. found C.J. Graham at a nightclub act, like playing Jason for a little skit they were doing at the nightclub. Oh, cool. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, C.J. Graham's like, yeah, it sounds like a pretty tall dude. Pretty imposing. Yeah, he's six foot three. Also, the guy's name wasn't Ken. It was Dan Bradley. Dan Bradley. Right, who they yeah. originally cast. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, the, the other part of this uh, murder of all these insurance salesmen is I think what you were talking about earlier where Jason kind of looks down and realizes like how strong he is because like he throws one person and the arm like stays in his hand somehow. Yeah, he rips a guy's <laughs> arm off on accident. Yeah, yeah. And and even in that first kill where it's that those two camp counters in the woods, I think we get a sense of his strength where he like basically takes down a Volkswagen. Um, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he, uh, he impales, he like stabs through the car with a fence post. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's, he's a strong dude in this one. Yeah. Not a fence post, but like part of the iron gate from the cemetery. Right. Um, and I think by, by killing these sales guys, I think that's where he gets his machete from. Um, meanwhile, the sheriff is getting pissed off at Tommy uh, and all his claims that Jason's out there. So he escorts Tommy to the edge of town to get him out of there. They stop by the cemetery where... Um, Tommy uh, tries to show them that Jason's not there anymore, but this caretaker is there who, um, you know, doesn't, uh, who, who I think there was another body that, were, oh, I guess Tommy's friend now is in the grave, and so the caretaker thinks nothing of it. There's a famous scene here, I think, where their caretaker uh, breaks the fourth wall and uh, kind of says, like, I guess some people have a, a crazy sense of humor or something. Yeah, he's kind of talking to himself after everyone leaves, and he's like, I can't believe they dug up Jason. He looks right at the camera and says, some folks have a strange idea of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really good, too. Yeah, they kind of, the self-referential humor, break the fourth wall a few times in the movie. The, the counselors who were on their way to the camp in that vehicle that got stabbed, uh, <laughs> she's like, in a horror movie, if you see a guy with a mask on in the middle of the road, you turn around. So Yeah. Yeah. A couple of self-referential moments already in fourth wall. Metaness in general. Yeah, yeah, which is like, a, I, I, th- I would think new to the whole franchise. I don't think we've seen that in any of the other films, right? I don't think so either. Yeah. So I was really digging on that. Um, so, uh, yeah, the sheriff drops Tommy off at the edge of town, but Tommy's still uh, bent on coming back and, and killing Jason um, before more people are killed. So he calls the police station and talks to Megan, uh, who goes uh, to help him out and they get some supplies um, but then they are caught by the police and locked up in a cell again and meanwhile the num- number of bodies are popping up and Jason's attacking uh, he attacks the two other camp counselors um, there's this couple in an RV that he attacks there is uh, the the couple you mentioned in the woods uh, that he kills as well as the caretaker which I think those three are for body counts um, so yeah he's basically going around just, just murdering people did you enjoy the like the sp- suspense builds up uh, buildups of each of these kills, or how, how do they feel to you? I think the kills in this movie have more suspense than some of the other films, but I think that starts to happen more in the second half of the movie. Oh, sure. Um, most of these weren't super suspenseful to me. A little bit more than usual, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think? I agree. I, I didn't think uh, there was too much. Well, actually, some of them had like long buildups, but then when the kill actually happens, it wasn't like that impressive as I kind of wanted it to be. Like that gory, or like uh, you, I, I, like that first one where he uh, kills a dude and like pulls his heart out. The, these all like felt like really quick kills where like the camera would pull away and you wouldn't actually see too much gore or anything. 
I agree. The, some of the deaths here were a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, they were a little bit more drawn out. Even the like RV kill, it did allow you to spend some more time feeling sus- some suspense. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. I like that. One thing I appreciated, even though I think the movie as a whole would be better had they not put in the death of the grave digger and this random couple, the grave digger they've established as an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's walking down the path talking to himself, he takes a swig from his bottle and then he looks at the bottle and says, you're going to be the death of me. Yeah. What a way to go though, huh? And it was just like a weird, honest, sad, and funny depiction of alcoholism. <laughs> but then it's also him foretelling his death because he's talking to the bottle and the bottle is what kills him because he, he throws it in the air. Oh. Like it's empty. He throws it. It's kind of a cool moment. He tosses it aside and then you can tell he expected to hear it hit the ground and his face is like, what? Mm-hmm. And then he turns around and sees Jason has it in his hand, shatters it, and stabs him with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's wow. just some stuff in this movie that I'm like, this is light years more intelligent than the yeah. other movies. Yeah, this is elevated. It's, it's smart dialogue. And uh, yeah, interesting. I, I missed that foreshadow on that one. That, that's a good one. You heard it here first, Friday the 13th, part six is elevated horror. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> art art house, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so artsy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so so th- then we get some scenes of Jason going back to the camp, and he's uh, taking down some of the camp counselors. Uh, the kids are freaking out. The police show up there. Um, they're trying to shoot him down, but uh, Jason's killing them. Tommy and Megan show up to the camp. Uh, just in time to stop Jason when he's uh, about to attack uh, or come upon the kids. Um, Tommy lures Jason into the water uh, onto this boat and he attempts to drown Jason. So Tommy's convinced that the only way to kill Jason is to drown him in Crystal Lake, which is where uh, he says Jason came from. So he's got this big rock and this chain and he like uh, wraps it around Jason. But Jason, uh, even though he sinks, he stays conscious and he pulls Tommy down with him. Luckily, Megan intervenes by using the propellers on the motorboat to uh, cut into Jason, which uh, causes him to release Tommy, and uh, and Megan is able to take Tommy to the uh, um, to dry land and, and and bring him back to life. Um, was wasn't this funny that Tommy's plan of attack didn't work? Um, yeah, it's I I found it interesting too that Megan ends up being the one to save him. Yeah, um, right. And yeah, Tommy, it's all kind of weird. I don't know. It's interesting, too, because Tommy, he's been in a mental facility this whole time. Um, but it's clear that it's just kind of like this horrible thing happened to him and society thinks he's crazy. But it is kind of strange that he has this idea that he needs to dig up Jason because if he hadn't done it in the first place, yes. perhaps <laughs> everything would have been fine. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But he's been reading these books on the occult and trying to figure out how to finally kill off Jason. And yeah, his plan ultimately works because to an extent, he sinks Jason at the bottom of Crystal Lake. Um, Yeah. Which I read that was a bit of gothic homage to as um, in order to kill a vampire, you need to bury it in the dirt of its home soil. I can't remember exactly how that rule works out. but I see. Interesting. I think that may have been something in... Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I, I can't remember. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I saw that somewhere. The like the whole vampire uh, rationale being applied here. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, like even when he's got Jason uh, on a rock at the bottom of the lake, it doesn't seem like that has the intended effect because he's still holding him. And then it's it seemed like Megan's work with the motorboat is kind of what uh, ultimately does Jason in in this, right? What really does it? Yeah, yeah. But of course, uh, then you see Jason's eye open at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Last shot of the movie, Jason's eyes open. And he's going to come back, I guess. And that's where the movie ends. And we hear Alice Cooper. Um, yeah. So, so what do you think? It's, it sounds like you like the dialogue a little bit more in this film than the other ones. Yeah. I think there was a lot of clever dialogue throughout this movie. Um, and there was more character building. Oh, before we get too far away from the ending, I, I actually really liked the ending. Um, it seemed more like a finale than some of the other ones. Like they're on a canoe in the lake surrounded by fire. There's a, a decently long scene of underwater cinematography. Yeah. It just felt a little bit more next level than some of the other movies. It's like a drawn out, like final battle. Yeah. Yeah. Had. Yeah. And I thought it was action packed. It had its ups and downs. Uh, Megan comes in and saves the day. And the stakes felt a little bit higher because there were these kids who throughout the whole movie, like they don't get too much screen time, but they are depicted as actual vulnerable kids, even though a couple of them have a few silly lines and they're kind of all on shore watching what's happening. I I love that there's actually kids at the camp this time. Kind of raises the stakes of it. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they show the kids in bed at one point, uh, one boy falls asleep reading comics. Another's holding a Polaroid of him and his mom. There's a girl who's like fell asleep writing a letter to her parents. Um, it's just like these little touches that actually make this a movie and a story and make it matter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Then of course they show a little girl who fell asleep reading a <laughs> no. play by Jean-Paul Sartre. So it was yeah. a, a so weird good. comedic thing to throw in there. <laughs> Yeah, but you're right. It kind of rounds out the the characters a little bit and gives us a little bit more. Uh, yeah, uh, it fills out the film a little bit more, right? Yeah, I think so. It just makes it all matter. Yeah, um, it's if it feel like it matters. Um, that, that 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 one uh, line where the kids like, so what did you want to be when you grew up? Like when everything's <laughs> yeah, going he's down. like, so what were you <laughs> gonna be me. when you grew up? When they think they're doomed. That was great. I also really liked that the sheriff and Tommy Jarvis and Megan all had this weird uh, dynamic where sheriff was convinced that Tommy was the one committing these murders and that Tommy was no good. And then he has to face the fact that he was wrong and Tommy's actually a good guy and knows what he's talking about. Um, And they had a cool dialogue moment where he's, talking to another police officer and he's like, if that kid is with my Megan, there's a good chance he'll do something crazy. And they cut right back to Megan speeding in the car and Tommy's asking her, please don't do anything crazy. (laughs) It's just little moments like this that make this script better than every script from every Friday the 13th movie before. I know, I know, I know. It's such a big difference, isn't it? Did you notice that during that car chase, she's hiding his head down in her (laughs) lap and he's like, Staring at her crotch. They're like four, four like, uh, like close-up shots of her crotch through the jeans. Yeah, and and it's just like, what are you seeing? She like makes a couple of sharp turns and his head bumps right into her crotch. Yeah. And Doesn't then she goes, that's what I want. Th- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's exactly. talking about something else, but it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really good. 
And then yeah, she said, some... this is going to be a hairy turn. <laughs> there was some great innuendo in this one. There really was. was. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. The, the script and the dialogue, uh, so, so, so much smarter than, like, anything we've seen from the franchise. And, uh, yeah, it, the, the, I thought uh, also the, the characters... Um, I, I know like a lot of these slashers they'll have like one dimensional characters and we obviously had like a lot of people who we rarely spent time with but your three or four main characters I thought did have like pretty good dialogue pieces uh, or sets to like kind of give them some unique character uh, within them even though they were on screen for such a short time did you feel that way? I agree man I think these were fleshed out characters with with flaws and arcs and things they had to overcome and there was a love story um, I, I think this is way better than any other Friday the 13th movie we've seen so far. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Dude, did you like the cabin covered in blood? Like there were a couple of, I thought that was actually kind of freaky. Oh, there were a couple scenes towards the end where people walk into these, that one of these cabins and the walls and everything are just covered in blood from where he's murdered a few counselors. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Those are great yeah. settings. I, lo- I love that. That was really cool. I, I mean, I thought Jason overall uh, was, I, I know like this wasn't like a very scary movie or anything, but he was like a menacing presence. Uh, like I mean, this guy who played him, I, I thought he did a really good job of like just kind of looking pretty scary and, and even like his get up and the way he walked throughout the whole film it would, combined with his super strength, I, I think did make him pretty menacing. I agree. He felt more like a zombie than in the previous films obviously he wasn't in the previous films but there was something scarier about this undead jason walking around at at six foot three um than there has been in the other films yeah yeah i agree i agree um yeah and and acting uh you were on board with it you didn't feel like these were a bunch of like cheap actors or cheap acting no i thought the acting was really good and fun fact the guy david kagan who played the sheriff he was actually Jennifer Cook, who played Megan. Uh, he was her acting coach. Oh, cool. Wow, that's yeah. that's nice. Yeah. But I thought yeah. the acting was pretty good all around. What did you think? I thought so, too. I, I couldn't tell if it was, like, the production quality or, like, the pacing of the story and everything or the jokes or the dialogue. But, yeah, I feel like everything came together really well and nothing felt, like, too cheap in this film. I agree. I think it was a little bit of all of it. I don't think there was there were many flaws in this movie. Yeah, um, I mean, I I have my problems with it, but production values seemed high. Production values seemed high. Yeah, I mean, on that, I, th- I think my only uh, biggest complaint here was that I felt like most of the kills you didn't see too much. Like you'd see him like raise his knife, he'd come down, and then like the scene would cut away, or you'd see like blood like splattering around. But um, I, I kind of wish they had showed a bit more gore. Uh, did Did you find yourself wanting to see more of that? I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you really don't know what your position is on gore. <laughs> yeah, there's. Yeah, sometimes you want less, sometimes you want more. You know, in in a fun film like this one, I, I think it's okay. But when it's like uh, something that's like too real, then it's like, oh damn, that's that's too much. There's, okay, this is, I, there's a whole tone with it, right? I'm sorry to understand you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, the kills. I think the kills get better towards the end. Mm-hmm. I think they get a little bit more gory and they're just kind of better and more suspenseful even without the gore. Yeah. Like there's one where we just see the blood hit the window, which is like, oh, we didn't get to see what happened. But then we see her body like come partially out the window and then Jason grabs it and pulls it back in. Yeah. yeah. Um, So that felt a little bit brutal, even though it wasn't super gory. And I I was happy with that. Sure. 
and then you see the head rolling out of a, a car at some point yeah yeah my biggest complaint with this movie is that the second like quarter of the movie mm-hmm. is weak it's just there's a lull when jason is just walking to camp crystal lake and taking down introduced characters with minimal suspense oh uh is this after the would you count like the camp or the insurance salesman in this second uh in this part you know as much as i like that scene i do count them it's just it takes away from what i think is the movie's strength like which is a focus on fleshed out characters and an actual plot yeah Um, yeah so I think it falls into the trap of being like other Friday the 13th films here where it's just him taking down characters who who happen to be there. And part of that isn't Tom McLaughlin's fault because um, the whole scene with the gravedigger and the random couple who he double impales, by the way, he's got to make sure to either impale two people at one time or impale somebody through another membrane yeah, at some point exactly. in every one of these movies. <laughs> yeah, he's consistent with that. Yeah, but anyway, that whole scene, um, McLaughlin can't be blamed for that. And I think even if you just took that scene out, it would make the movie feel a bit more focused. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying because I, I feel like what's going on in the background of that is Tommy, like, and the sheriff, like, continuing to spar and go back and forth. Which maybe that part went on too long too. Um, I don't and, even think that went on too long. It just they weren't even on screen that much during this stretch yeah. of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's just Jason going after some random people. Yeah, I think the movie vastly improves once he gets to the camp, starts killing characters we know, and there are children at stake. Um, there's a moment where the sheriff pops into one of the his head into one of the girls' bunks and sees every bed full except one. So he sees that one empty bed and he goes, "Oh God!" Like no other movie in this franchise has that. Like a moment of like a character really. Uh, reacting to something and being scared and feeling responsible for the safety of someone else. Like that isn't a big deal to have in other movies. It's just like the basics of movie making. But I think that's missing from a lot of the other movies in this franchise. Yep. Yep. That kind of like emotional intelligence or character uh, intelligence. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's there. Yeah. Yeah. No, good call. I agree. I agree. Well, great. Uh, any any other notes on it, or do you want to jump to the rating? Um, let's see. I'm sure I have more to say on this. What else do I have to say? Uh, do you like Tommy Jarvis as a character? I did. I liked him a lot in this one. What, what did you think? I did too. I again think um, that Tom Matthews is a great actor, but I really like him as a character. He's got this like troubled past, and people think he's crazy, but he's just super sincere. And doesn't want anybody get to, to get hurt, but really wants Jason to die. And, you know, he's got a goal from the beginning of the movie. And the movie is mostly about him trying to accomplish it and dealing with the setbacks as they get in his way. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's 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 determined. He's, he's genuine. He, he's focused. He can tell where he's coming from. And then I like that he's not too distracted by the love story or the love interest. Like, that's kind of mostly Megan pursuing him on that. But he's like, he's steadfast like focused on this one thing right yeah he can't really quite help but be like interested but he's he's it's kind of a distraction for him for yeah. his overall goal right right yeah yeah i i, I like this character a lot I, i'm kind of bummed we're not going to see him in the future ones right yeah that is a little bit of a bummer yeah 
And, and I, I thought this actor uh, portrayed him really well. I, I don't know if I was a big fan of uh, whoever portrayed him in the last film, um, but also that that film was just a bad film too. Yeah, I can't remember the actor's name who portrayed him in the last film, but that actor wasn't even really given a chance to do much because <laughs> yeah. half that film's that film's mo was to make you believe Tommy was doing the murders, so he wasn't oh, even yeah. on screen that much. Right, right, purposefully. Yeah, good point. yeah, right. I forgot about that angle. All right, well, cool. um, you want to? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, well, give, throw me a scale. All right. Uh, how many propellers through the neck would you give this one? I give this three and a half propellers through the neck. Okay, cool. That's it would good, be a man. four if that stretch in the film where I was talking about was a, a little bit tighter. Yeah, I, I feel like you need that stretch in these movies because uh, you can't have him like just start going after the main characters right off the bat, right? And, and you have to have like those moments of where he's discovering his strength, where there's like some great humor because it's a bunch of people on a corporate retreat or some like throwaway characters that are just being thrown in for a body count or the gravedigger. Like a, you, you don't think those have a place in these types of films? I mean, I guess they kind of do. And I mean, slasher fans would be like, Brian, shut up. Like useless characters have to die. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the paintball scene would have sufficed Um it's also how he gets his machete, which I didn't even realize until you mentioned that. That was a question in my nose. How did he get his machete? But you answered it for me. Um, and even though I thought there was a really clever bit of dialogue there with the grave digger in his death scene, I still think between that, the RV scene, and the paintball scene, it just got that's a little... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still... I like this movie, 3.5. I'm just saying that's what keeps it from a 4. Yeah, yeah, sure. Cool, man. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you at that, that three and a half. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I was struggling between three and a half and a four too. I kind of wanted to go 3.75, but yeah, I, I think I'll go three and a half. And clearly the best of the franchise. Love the humor, the self-awareness. Uh, I, I thought the, the dialogue was great. And uh, yeah, I, I wish more of the films were, were like this one. This was so much fun. Yeah, man. It's, it's a polished above average screenplay with, uh, right. I think, thoughtful and talented direction. The cinematography was noticeably... Uh, better than most of the films too like care was given to actually uh film this well and yeah i think in every aspect it was better than every other movie it's one and a half stars higher than i've given any other film in the franchise <laughs> yeah that, that's great and in a pretty short runtime i think 80 some minutes yeah this is the shortest of all the films oh wow okay it's pretty, yeah pretty I, th- I have that written down somewhere 86 minutes Okay, nice. That's yeah. great. All right. Well, uh, anything else? No, I'm just really glad that we finally liked one of these movies. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It was, it was only a matter of time. We, we got six in and finally found a good one. <laughs> right. It only took us three years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see what the next uh, four years have in, in store for us. Yeah, I have no idea how how uh, if it's going to go up or down. No one really... I feel like maybe one or two people said so, but nobody was like, just wait till you get to Jason Lives. It gets way better. Yeah. I've never heard that. I'm surprised that I feel like this movie doesn't get the respect it uh, deserves in the franchise. Yeah. I've seen some people come out and say it's the best one, but it's normally not at the top of the list for most of the rankings I see. Right. Right. Yeah. Surprised. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Uh, Anything else? That's all I got. All right, that's going to be it for our discussion on Jason Lives, uh, Friday the 13th, Part 6. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always welcome the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord, so you can find us and some of our listeners uh, hanging out there and chatting it up. That link is on our website. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com, and she's got some great merchandise for our show as well that you can find there. Um, as Brian mentioned, we'll have a Patreon episode coming out shortly, so uh, we encourage you to check that out. And until next time, if your company is throwing a corporate retreat, might be a good idea so, to uh, pack some bandages just in case. <laughs> Full arm bandage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kind to reattach some limbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah.